Yes, it's that time of year again. Of course, we love WKRP all year long, but especially now as we get closer to Thanksgiving and recall that incredibly funny episode. Did you know we have five different WKRP designs, including three different Turkey Drop-inspired ones? Simply go to CincyShirts.com and type WKRP into the search bar and have a look. Use the promo code at the end of this episode to save 20% on your entire order online or in-store. Now, on with the show. WKRP in Cincinnati. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 137. Today on our show, WVXU's Bill Reinhardt. I thought, why aren't we doing that here? I mean, there's all kinds of interesting little bits that are not exactly hard news that I think would, people would eat up. A longtime radio journalist, Bill came to town originally to work at WLW before joining WVXU a few years back. In addition to being a correspondent at that station, he's also the afternoon newscaster there. He produces a segment and a podcast called OK, I Want to Know, stylized OKI for Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, clever, uh, in which he looks at some of the questions folks have been asking about the tri-state, people, places, things, and so on, uh, for years and years. He gets to the bottom of all those. He talks about that project, the radio business, and more. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Bill Reinhardt from WBXU. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-Cincinnati. She came down Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. The way we like to start these things is uh, getting your Cincinnati bona fides out of the way. Are you from the area? I am not. Okay, where are you from originally? I grew up in Nebraska. Nebraska? Okay. Yes. Haven't gotten that one before. Whereabouts in Nebraska? Well, North Platte, the first uh, dozen or so years. And then a small town, about uh, population 345 in southeast Nebraska for high school. Salute. Salute. Um, <laughs> most people probably don't get that joke, but um, there you go. Um, so, interested in broadcasting from a young age, or uh, what was young Bill Reinhardt like? Bill Reinhardt was, uh, well, he was weird. That, that hasn't changed. <laughs> but my dad, when I was growing up, he worked at the local TV station. And he'd take me out to the station every now and then, and I'd just run amok. And so I kind of got broadcasting in my blood there. Ah. Yeah, my dad always had the radio on whenever we usually – well, well, I guess it was pre-talk radio, but kind of when talk radio was starting to become a thing like in the mid-'70s maybe. Yeah. Not like political talk radio, but more like information talk radio. And then uh, he'd have like the – the local Top 40 station on, uh, which kind of played more adult contemporary stuff when he was driving me and my brother around. And then he, uh, as he got older and they, like all news stations became a thing, like KQV in Pittsburgh, he would listen to that nonstop. Yeah, dad, my dad would listen to uh, Larry King late at night. Oh, there you go, yeah. Larry King. There's a caller there. Rochester, New York. You're oh, on the air. Callers are for the guest only. Uh, questions are for the guest only. All right. So, um, yeah, I love all those old guys. Bruce Williams, remember him? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Man, I love listening to Bruce Williams. Right? Talk to, is he still with he, us? Did we lose him? He just he just died about two or three years ago. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's a shame. I used to love listening to his show. He was so so pleasant, so sweet. How you he doing? was very, a very thoughtful man. He was. He was. Oh, you can't do that, sweetheart. Um, so uh, where did you go to college then? Hastings College, Hastings, Nebraska, the Harvard of the Midwest. Okay, there you go. And I presume studied broadcasting. I started out as a communications major, but decided to switch to English. I wanted to be able to write a good story. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I probably should have done the same thing, but um, all I could do was broadcasting. <laughs> so, And uh, I was, uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, falsely encouraged because um, they had a huge, they probably had this where you were. 
um, they had this huge class that you had to take, and the class was designed to weed out all the people that weren't going to cut it in broadcasting. And uh, I got an A in that, so I figured, oh, I'm, I'm going to be great at this. And, of course, I probably should have. <laughs> I should listen to other people who later on told me what you should have done was minored in broadcasting and majored in something else. And I'm like, oh, now you tell me. Yeah, I figured if I couldn't get a job in broadcasting, I could at least, you know, write a book. Oh, there or you something. go. Yeah, yeah. So, but was your career trajectory always broadcasting? Did you, like, go into newspapers or anything like that? Or did you, were you able to go right into broadcasting out of school? Oh, the broadcasting bug bit me and bit me hard. Um, worked on the campus radio station, the campus TV station briefly. But it was apparent uh, I was made for radio. I, I've got the face for it. Ha, same. Because <laughs> uh, I did TV in high school, and when I got to Bowling Green, um, I didn't realize the two were completely different like entities. The TV station was the public TV station for Northwest Ohio, and I think it's, it's still there, Channel 27, I think it is. But they were in a completely separate building off campus, and the radio station was in, uh, at the time, South Hall, since moved to West Hall, now back to South Hall. And I didn't realize it was two different things. I thought it was going to be like high school. It was all one big happy family. And uh, it wasn't. And I clicked much more with the radio people than I did with the TV people. So uh, I just kind of fell backwards into radio that way. Yeah, they're very different animals. Yeah. was uh, it? I, I found out early on, TV, you're more of a team. And if True. one person screws up, everybody's on the hook for it. Radio, you're in the booth by yourself more, but more or less. Yeah, and with me, more, because, I, of course, I started out like most of us did, uh, doing the late, I think I did midnight to three, Friday into Saturday morning was my first shift ever. And, uh, <laughs> that sounds familiar. And yeah, yeah, so, and you are by yourself completely. And even in the middle of the day when I did morning drive, um, uh, they divided up into five slots. You, know, you didn't do the Monday through Friday morning to drive. Everybody did one day. So they had the five best jocks do that. And uh, even when I was doing that, though, it's like you got there at 7 and nobody showed up really until 9 when you were about ready to go off the air. So you were still really by yourself. You And, and in the morning, you had a news guy. O- overnight, of course, you didn't. But um, but that well, was in college, it. anything before 9 is early. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I didn't mind uh, getting up early. So you, was it strictly news for you? Did you do any DJing? Oh, that's that's what all – that's what uh, my goal was. I was going to be a morning jock. I was going to be a personality. There you go. <laughs> I, I did a couple of years in uh, just as a, a, a DJ, oh, and cool. then uh, I kind of got bit by the news bug. Oh, so out of school, you went like you got a, a, a shift somewhere doing music, or when I was still in college, I got a job at a local. Um, well, I say local. I mean, thirty miles away, FM. First doing overnights and then slowly building up till uh, I was Monday through Friday and then some weekends. It was Monday through Friday, 7 to midnight, and then uh, weekend shifts as well. And out of college, uh, I had to, do, had to pick up whatever I could, and that included a stint as a wedding DJ for a while. There you go. And, and then part-time here, part-time there, part-time here, up and down the dial, huh. moving from town to town. Yep. So when did you wind up in Cincinnati? Well, let's see. That was back in 2004. We moved to uh, the Dayton area in 2003 because my wife at the time got a pretty good job. And so I followed and worked up at HIO for a brief spell before getting hired at uh, the big one, 700. Okay. And so you lived in Dayton for a while? Yes, in Centerville. Okay. Dayton doesn't get enough love. I worked in Kettering. For about a year, oh, yeah. and it was uh, it was a heck of a drive from Anderson Township, but I loved it. I loved the whole area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made the commute from the Centerville down to Kenwood for okay. about three or four months, and then we decided to move closer. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so we overlapped only a little bit because Gary, uh, of course, left the air in two thousand. Let me think. A seven, seven yeah, December seven, yeah. So. But uh, I remember hearing you on the uh, on the news breaks and stuff like that, anxiously waiting to hear if one of my bits was going to be uh, played. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and then uh, how did you wind up over at uh, VXU? Well, I spent about ten years at Seven Hundred, and the writing was on the wall. I, the best, uh, the best, the future held for me there was ten years in the future. I was going to be doing the exact same thing I was already doing. Or I was going to be in a tiny little booth reading and recording newscasts for Lima. And the position opened up 
over at uh, 91.7 WVXU, and they were uh, kind enough to take pity on me and bring me into the fold. Yeah, so did the like the big consolidation, because that was a big thing even when I was there, was uh, the, and it's one of the reasons uh, Doc left for a while, in addition to pursuing his cookbook uh, career. Uh, you know, the consolidation, especially with Clear Channel, you know, it's, it, like you just said, you'd be doing line, you know, liners and news stories for all these other cities. There's, they were trying to, like, you know, get as min- few people doing as much as they could. Was that a, kind of a influence as well? Oh, yes, definitely. I, I wanted to do our own news, not just rewriting other other communities, local TV station newscasts for, um, you know, for a place I've never been. Yeah, there was a guy for years and years, and you may still do it. He um, it was for an uh, urban station in Dallas and Detroit, and he would fly from Dallas to Detroit. And I think he did mornings in one city and evenings in the other, and uh, the radio company he worked for flew him back and forth and i'm like well that's that's kind of a neat thing it's kind of an novelty but you're taking away a job from somebody from one person yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of crazy and then i get well because now they don't have that I, that was probably more of a gimmick because now you can just sit of course in a in, in a booth in one city and uh and pretend you're in another city there's like i think there's a couple of guys that do that oh a number a number yeah in fact have you ever listened to the ryan seacrest show uh, not recently. Uh, I c- catch it by accident uh, here and there. The one thing I like about that is it, it is so seamless how he makes you think he's like in Miami or Cleveland. I think I was listening to it. I was looking for something one day, and I, I just clicked on the, the Miami uh, station's stream online. And he's like, oh, let's take a look at that Miami traffic out there right now. They, they're just dropping little things that make you think he's in Miami. Going to be a yeah. hot one out there. What's the weather going to be like? And, and just like it's just crazy. I mean, you have to admire the craft. But at the same time, you know, you're like, well, geez, there's probably like 30 guys that are being put out of work because, you know, the syndicating the Ryan. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but <laughs> there's probably 30 nice guys that could have a job uh, in, his, in his stead. Uh, so uh, you just uh, did news mostly for a while, and then this, uh, okay, I want to know thing uh, uh, crops up. How do we get to that? Well, about a year ago or so, I was having my annual review with the boss, Marianne Zelesnik, and she oh. says, so what are your goals coming forward? You know, what do you want to do? Where, where do you see yourself going? And I said, look, a lot of public radio stations have this little little bit where they uh, they do these curious local stories. And a lot of time, you know, there's uh, curiosity in Chicago. There's... Um, why so curious out of Yellow Spring and on and on and on. I thought, why aren't we doing that here? I mean, there's all kinds of you know, interesting little bits that are not exactly hard news that I think would people would eat up. And a few months went by and they finally gave me the green light. And we started planning and talking and having meetings, finding out where this was going to go and uh, what it would sound like. And then the pandemic hit. Everything kind of got put on hold for a little bit. And so what was your original uh, idea for it? Was it the concept that we hear now today on the... On yeah, it's pretty much okay. as, as it dreamed of. Okay. Uh, we did have, have, we had like a 30-minute meeting where, where we uh, tried to decide what we were going to call it and finally came up with, okay, I want to know because it encompasses Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. I know. How clever. Yeah. (laughs) That's brilliant. So uh, how many of these have you done? Because I've heard a couple so far. In fact, I even emailed you about, I think, your most recent one, Mr. Field and Mr. Ertle, although we cannot find Mr. Fields. um, Still haven't found Mr. Fields. Yeah. I think we've we've got five in the can so far. And how often do you get to do these? I've been trying to do them every two weeks, okay. but uh, it's as I get to them. Okay. And now do you have like a, a big long list of uh, things you want to tackle or is it listener suggestions coming in or how is, how is that working out? I've got a couple that I'd like to do, but I want to do more from what listeners are suggesting. And we've got a nice list of what people have suggested. Uh, some of them, I'll admit – they feel like, yeah, everybody's done this. Every year or two, that story gets drug up or yep. redone. Or, you know, it's like, I'm not native here, but I already know the answer to that. So yeah. I'm looking for more unusual stuff that I don't know, stuff that other people don't know. 
Well, the thing I like to – because our, our blog, we try to cover that kind of stuff sometimes. Uh, mostly the the Cincy Shirts blog takes up uh, uh, sales. Uh, with the, the podcast is a post every week, so we're not as inclined to have to try to put content there. Our sibling site, Old School Shirts, I try to do uh, a post every other week, but that's a little different thing. That's more like national stuff, and it's usually sports-related. But um, for here, what I like to try to do when we tackle one of these things, like uh, the airport's a good example. I know most people have a – pretty good notion of how the airport ended up in Kentucky, but I always like to try to like dig for that one or two little nuggets that maybe people uh, didn't know or give them something extra, and I think in one of our posts, I was able to uh, kind of give people a sense of, which I don't think people really had a good idea of, where the airport would have been had it been in Blue Ash, like what the borders of the airport would have been, so I used to wonder that, so I researched it, and it turns out it would have been north of uh, Cooper Road, I think, and west of Kenwood Road, and that... Uh, big whole chunk of land which is now the industrial park that all would have been the airport yeah i i didn't know that i knew there was a blue ash airport yep and that the city of cincinnati owned it and it wasn't until i was doing the story on who reed hartman was that i finally learned oh that's the area where the cincinnati international airport was supposed to go yep yep and uh some there's some tenacious blue ash citizens uh it did not go there (laughs) So what what all of you, I know you did the Mr. Fields and Mr. Erdl one. I know I heard an, another one. Uh, I thought I've heard them all, but I, that's the only one I can think of. Because that's, that's the most recent one, I guess. Uh, what so the it? first one was why does William Howard why does President William Howard Taft not have a statue in his honor oh, in right. the city where he was from? Aha! And Mr. Lincoln does. Mr. Lincoln does. President Garfield does. President Harrison does. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah, uh, I forgot about Garfield. None of them were from here. Yeah, Garfield's from my hometown. Well, he's from Orange, Ohio. He, yeah, he's from up north. He spent most of his life in Mentor, is where his uh, house is, and it's still a historic site there. You can visit Lawn Field, as it's called, the uh, Garfield home. And then uh, what? I've can, heard it's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, they they do a nice job with that. They've they've uh, kept, I keep telling my mom to get a job there. She's a retired teacher, and she loves history. I'm like, go volunteer at Lawn Field, and uh, <laughs> she she can't muster up the, the notion to do it. But um, so what? And then so after the Taft statue one, where do we arrive? Uh, the second one was Cheeseheads. Walking around downtown, every now and then I'd see these little black triangle boxes on top of uh, poles. Oh, yeah. So this, you know, like six or seven feet off the ground. Yeah, yeah. And once walking by, I heard a noise coming from inside, and they're sealed off, some of them. I could hear something moving around in there. And for years, I've been wondering what the heck was in that thing. And I finally, this was the excuse to uh, look it up. Yeah. Well, isn't that great when you can do that? When you can, like, you can answer a question that's been bugging you for years and years? That's exactly what this is all about. Yeah. Well, the one I solved, finally, I cracked, was um, if you're familiar with the 275 area near Milford, uh, where now the Milford Parkway is, for years... That was like a ghost interchange. It, it dead-ended on – well, actually, actually dead-ended on the one side, which is now the Milford Parkway, and it went to Route 50 uh, on the western side. Am I oriented right? Eastern side. Yeah, eastern okay. side. Eastern side. And the western side just dead-ended into a field, and then they built the Milford Parkway later. I always wondered for years and years, wh- what was that supposed to be? And I had a notion that it was probably going to be the rest of I-74. And that was my theory for years and years until I wrote a blog post on it. And I even contacted the highway department, and they uh, looked into it for me and called me back and said, no, that was going to be a bypass so Route 50 could go around Milford and then rejoin 50 between Terrace Park and the Milford border uh. right there. Yeah. And they couldn't complete the bypass because in the while they were building that, where they were about to start on the rest of the bypass, the uh, Miami River was de- uh, declared a national historic or a national scenic river. And they would have needed way too many permits and all kinds of other things to get it done. So they said, eh, 50's just going to go through Milford. <laughs> so that's fascinating. I love to hear stuff like that. Right? Yeah, and then uh, what's uh, – and it's it's interesting too because um, I wouldn't have thought I'd be this this interested in this area. But when I live – after living here for 25 years, I'm, of course, more interested in finding out stuff about here – then I am like, I see stuff about my hometown on Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Because there used to be a thing called the Bridge to Nowhere in my hometown. And what it was, it was a, a bridge that was going to go over. We have a lagoon in our uh, city that is by the lake. And uh, they were going to build houses and cottages. And there's going to be a housing development on the lagoon. 
after World War II and the company went bankrupt. Well, they built the bridge off the main road over the first uh, bit of water to go onto the land in the lagoon, and that's where they ran out of money. And so the thing sat there for years and years as the bridge to nowhere. And I never knew what it was until you know, a few years ago. And I read it. And I thought, well, that's interesting. But it's it's not quite as interesting as finding out about stuff, I guess, where you live you know, now. And that's, I guess it's more has more immediacy to you. So, yes. So what, what comes after uh, the cheesehead thing? Oh, let's see. Jeez, um, I can't remember. There was the Reed Hartman Fields Ertle. There's another one in there, too. I am drawing an absolute blank. Um, was that was Reed Hartman and Fields Ertl a listener suggestion, or was that something you were always curious about? That was that was one that several people asked about. Okay, that was the one I wasn't. Oh, I know. Oh. I know. Uh, we did. Um, who plays the organ at Great American Ballpark? Oh, that's right, because we stole him as a guest. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I know him. His uh, his daughter and my daughter went to elementary school together for a couple of years. So yeah, very nice guy. Yeah, yeah, John Shooty. Yeah, um, and yeah. then we talked a little bit about that, and then about, of course, uh, his work with um, the Rusty Griswolds and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, back to the Reed Hartman Field Dirtle one. That's one of those things that you don't know you're curious about until you hear that segment and go, "Oh." Because I never really thought about who Reed Hartman is. I forgot he's probably some local official. And uh, it didn't occur to me that Fields Ertl, you know, actually had – there's some origin to the name. Because, like, even you think you say in the piece, most of the roads were named for where they went. Cincinnati, yeah. Dayton, Pike, Springfield, Pike. So, yeah. So Yeah, a lot of times I'll, I'll see a road name or something, you know, a subdivision or whatever and think, I wonder who that person was. And I'm sure I had – Wondered who Reed Hartman was, but wasn't all that curious. Yeah. Not curious to really look into it. Yeah, yeah. But then you find out other people were curious and like, well. Yeah. So when you start, start researching something like that, like where do you go? What are some of your resources? Well, it's still early days. So uh, basically, you know, Reed Hartman, okay, uh, let's talk to a local historical society. Let's talk, let's okay. uh, let's see who uh, – Oh, Blue Ash. We'll, we'll call someone in Blue Ash, talk to you know the city PIO, public information officer in Blue Ash, ah, okay. and see what they know. And they said, well, here's let's point you to a local historian. Okay, so that's good. Um, and then, well, let's find out uh, Warren County Historical Society. Let's talk to Butler County, oh, Butler County and Hamilton County Historical Society. So those are fantastic resources when you're talking history yeah hmm. i should try that of course, finding out who plays the organ at great american ballpark that was easy you just sure call people over at great american ballpark and say hey who plays the organ uh i got a, a fun resource for you the uh the library's online resources are fantastic yes yes we haven't um, needed to draw upon them yet but uh the day is coming we um, just did a uh, the episode previous to this. We talked to the folks at Beach Acres and uh, found out a lot about that because I guess uh, if you're of a certain age, like well, if you're my age and grew up in this area, you might still think of it as an orphanage. They're out of the orphanage business. But um, anyway, they used to do a, a big festival years and years ago, and we're like, oh, we should get a shirt of that. And the only image they had was a picture of the whole setup on the Beach Acres property. So I went to the newspaper archive at the library and found a uh, an advertisement in the Catholic newspaper for the carnival. So we may we may yet have a t-shirt of the, uh, I think they called it the Orphan Fest, which is kind of an odd, <laughs> odd <Wow>. name. <laughs> yeah, but it raised money for when, for their uh, orphanage work, but then, they, like I said, in the mid-'80s, they, they got out of the orphanage business, number one, and number two, they said they, there were just other ways to raise money that were more effective uh, to continue on with their, like, their parenting resources mission, things like that. So, yeah. So is it a tough kind of, you know, I guess you, you could do this probably like full time and really not, uh, you know, be doing the, the, the news reporting thing? Or would you miss that? Is it, is, is it a tough balance? Well, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I mean, this is this is all interesting and new, but uh, news is it's 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 really ingrained in my my soul, I guess. It's it's. It's hard to stand away from that sort of thing. Hard to shake it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and even if I did put more effort into, okay, I want to know, I mean, I'm still going to be on the air. Yeah. yeah. And whenever something 
is going to happen, I'm going to jump on top of it if necessary. I mean, even to this day, we, we don't do a lot of you know, daily crime reports yeah. or uh, accidents or fires. But whenever I hear a number of sirens going by downtown, I got to look. I mean, I got to turn on the scanner. I got to look out the window. It's, it's just it's the old retired racehorse, racehorse that hears the bell. It still starts running. Do you wish that VXU would do more kind of local news, kind of like no, LW no. did? Or? Of ambulance chasing? No. No, I mean, that was that was getting old when I was at 700. I was getting tired of doing that, too. So. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, well, I guess you have the, the political coverage. I guess you have uh, Howard Wilkinson, who we, we still can't get on this podcast. Won't even answer my emails. Keys has tried him for me, and he's uh, being a stick in the mud. But um, but I guess he's got that beat covered uh, pretty well, I guess, then. Um so, uh, what would be like be the the ideal gig? Or you kind of it sounds like you're kind of formulating the ideal gig here between the the news reporting and the the curiosity seeking. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. You know these these fun offbeat stories because I'm you know kind of an offbeat kind of guy anyway, but still have that uh, hand in the hard news. And it does kind of fit the uh, along with kind of the national face of uh, the station with uh, with the other, the NPR and the other public programming. And uh, it's nice, too, because, as they say, the stories get to breathe. You know, if you try to do that kind of thing on, on LW or commercial station, you'd get, uh, Fields Ertl is named for a guy named Ertl, uh, possibly a guy named Fields. Back to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's one nice thing about public radio is you've got a lot more time to play with. So what was your, what's your assessment of the, the news business these days? I know, you know we hear a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of controversy. I guess there kind of always has been since I can remember, but I guess more so in the past couple of years. And it seems to be getting be getting worse and, and worse as far as you know people not trusting the news media or people trusting weird sources and, and things like that. Well, I think people would be better served if they read beyond the headline. If we stop just just looking at the headline and moving on, if we actually took the time to click the link and read the story or listen to it and take that longer amount of time and actually find out what's going on beyond the click. Because I think there's a lot of journalists out there who are putting together really good work, but it's not getting read. Yeah, uh, well, and probably because of our hectic lifestyle, it's just easier to consume, you know, Memes, which is to me just just will never stop fascinating me. How many people will believe a random meme in their Facebook feed? And I'm like, you know, you've got a device sitting right in front of you there that's showing you that meme. You could open another tab, type in a few words, and find out what's going on. Take you a minute, I promise. And people won't do it. They're like, hey, it's a meme on Facebook. Well, buy gum. That's the facts. And more often than not, I find myself not knowing what the meme is trying to say, and so I have to go look it up, which is fine. You know, now I'm a little more educated. Now I'm hip with what the kids are saying. Huh. Oh, I'm just talking about these things where they say, oh, well, they try to give these made-up statistics about some issue or something like that, and I'm like, oh, I'll go look this up and see if this is this is true. And, of course, you know, it, it rarely is. These memes are rarely accurate for news reporting, shockingly. Uh, but it it never ceases to amaze me how but people will otherwise intelligent people will be like yeah well but they couldn't make a meme of it if it wasn't true now could they <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know about that <laughs> so what's a typical day like for you uh, what time do you arrive at the office what kind of things do you cover and how do you how are you able to kind of fold in OKI into that when you can uh, Marianne gives me. As much latitude as I need for OKI. I mean, I'll find someone I need to talk to a few and schedule a, an interview a couple of days ahead of time. Let her know, so then she puts it in the daily folder, and everyone knows I am unavailable from X to Y. Okay. Otherwise, every day you come in and we have a, a meeting where we discuss what we're going to be covering. Everyone has their usual beats. Jay Hanselman's got City Hall covered. He, he knows what's going on with Hamilton County Commissioners. Our new guy, Corey, he's going to be uh, probably our education reporter, so he'll be keeping an eye on Cincinnati Public Schools and other schools in the area. You know, Tana is uh, – she's all over everything. Ann Thompson, same. She's she's a war horse, and she's got her specialty with uh, 
focus on technology stories. And other than OKI, I just grab whatever comes down. I mean, um, there's press press conference from any group, and no one else is available. Maybe it's my turn to go out. Boy, when you're mentioning all those names, I'm like, I for- forget how big the staff is there because I hear all these people all the time on the air. And uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking it's only a, a two or three person staff. And as you list all the, and then the, uh, the aforementioned John Keyswater and uh, Howard Wilkinson uh, chiming in uh, as well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what's been the biggest challenge going from uh, commercial radio, big uh, media conglomerate, to uh, public radio? Well, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I when I came here. VXU, I thought, all right, let's just try and forget all the bad habits that you picked up over a career in commercial radio and be prepared to learn, be prepared to do everything from scratch. And in fact, I really didn't need to throw out everything I already needed or everything I already knew. And since I've rectif- since I've, I've you know, come to that conclusion, I find I've been writing and producing a lot better. So in what ways? You know, it's um, um, I don't need to try and write to sound smart. Just write like I've always done. You know, when I was in commercial radio, I always tried to find what the underlying forces behind any story were, and I just needed to remember to continue doing that. And I've been fine ever since. Instead of you know trying trying so hard to be smart or trying to sound smart, really threw me for a loop. And I should have just stuck with what I knew. Did you feel that because I mean there's this perception maybe that you know the public radio audience is a little you know uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for um, not judgmental but you thoughtful know. <laughs> no but a little more, you know, uh, astute maybe, a little bit pays a little attention more, so maybe they're a little yeah. less forgiving. Yeah. You know, this, you know, this, this, this young buck coming coming over from uh, commercial radio, and uh, or you know, did you, like you said, you just kind of uh, you know, had to learn to you know trust your instincts. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there are some things. I think we don't feel like we need to beat into the ground with uh, stories for public radio because we, we know we can trust our listeners to know what we're talking about. While in commercial radio, I think the, there was a, a push to really dumb things down. We're not a, maybe dumb it down, but to make it a little more simple, oversimplify perhaps. And is that like an audience consideration or, or a time consideration? Because, you know, you don't – and even though there's like a lot more news, it seems, sometimes on a station like KLW because you have top and, top and bottom of the hour. But at the same time, it's only for, you know, a minute, whereas you guys, even in the middle of the national uh, programming, can still get, a, you know, a good five, six minutes in there. And it doesn't feel rushed, you know. It feels like, you, you, you know, you're still getting all the information you need on a local story. Yeah, in uh, commercial radio, there was a big push, you know, get your stories as short as possible, 30 seconds tops, if you can. And, you know, there, there's there's a place for that. And sometimes I try to do that uh, at WVXU, too, try to get it as concise as possible. But if I write something that's 50 seconds, that's not a problem. If I write something that's a minute 10, hey, no problem, we can still use it. A minute 10 in commercial radio I would have been laughed out. I would have been laughed off the air. Yeah, it's funny you say that because we always talk about you know uh, economizing words, and uh, a lot of comedians say that is that they um, writing comedy taught them to economize words and you know to to cut the setup down as as quickly as possible to just to the to the bare minimum so you can get to uh, the punchline. But I guess like you're saying with with public radio, you don't necessarily have to do that because if you do need to explain something a little bit more, you you can and you won't lose anybody. Exactly, and that's where my English degree really came into uh, came into play because I read Hemingway, and he was the master at uh, writing very short, concise sentences. Yes, he was. Um, so uh, I was kind of get back to that earlier question, like for on a day to day basis, uh, you're the afternoon host on uh, VXU, 
So yes. what, what time do you have to roll into the station for that? I get there about 10 o'clock. Okay. And I goof around for about an hour. Hmm. <laughs> um, no, actually, I'm, I'm doing you know prep work and investigating and answering calls and emails and whatnot. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll go, I won't even go in at 10 o'clock. I'll go directly to a, uh, an interview or even a press conference. Not so many press conferences these days. I, I'm not sure why, but, uh, <laughs> for some reason I'm not meeting a lot of people in person. Um, and then, you know, the day varies. It, it, it all depends if I'm working on something specific or if I'm looking for something. Has the you know, some days I come in and. It's like, okay, we've got nothing in the file for today. Uh, I've got nothing scheduled. I've got to start looking, find find a story. And then uh, that's when you dip into your little list of possible stories, um, ideas that you had earlier, and maybe follow up on something. Oh, so maybe something that isn't like uh, deadline heavy, but it's still something that yeah. kind of like, or is maybe uh, an evergreen story, taxes or, you know, something yes. that rolls around every Every Whatever happened to this project that someone said they were going to do? Has that started? How has it been working? That sort of thing. You know, speaking of the taxes thing, that reminds me because every year on the you know TV news, we always see they always station uh, some reporter outside the post office downtown and uh, watching all the cars drive up and drop off their taxes. And my wife and I laugh every year. Go, it's that that time of year. They're, who are they going to stick out there this year to do that? It's like, <laughs> is I mean, I'm sure there's always a challenge because, I mean, it, that's news in a way. And, yeah, I, I guess people are almost expecting to see that. But I guess, I guess the challenge also is, well, how do we make this, you know, new and, and fresh, especially if there isn't something that's particularly new about it, like they haven't extended the deadline or you can – is a different way to file or something like that. How do you, how do you approach those kind of evergreen stories that people are kind of expecting, but you know, like maybe people not everybody knows yet because they're probably younger people now. They think about it coming into adulthood that probably don't know you can drive to the post office before midnight on April fifteenth and drop off your taxes. Yeah, there are a lot of those types of stories, and we try to avoid them unless you come up with something you know, no one else has done before. But sometimes, you know, you just can't help it. Like, oh, God, it's that. I think every reporter will, will agree with me. Like, oh, yeah, it's the annual what time are the stores opening after Thanksgiving story. Oh, God, how many times have I done this? And I've got to make it fresh. Oh, how do I do that? Well, and sometimes you can't. You just, uh, you, you just do the story straight up as it is. Yep. And no, you're not breaking any ground. Uh, well, it'll be fresh this year, certainly. Um, <laughs> has that made it more difficult, uh, the, the current situation, to, uh, to track down stories? Or you just find, you know, we're pretty well connected in the society before this happened. Is it, is it just you just do diff- use different means to, to get the job done? Well, for radio, not much has changed. I think it's been a lot more difficult for television people. But for radio, you know, a lot of stuff we do is just over the phone. And now with video conferencing, we can interview someone with our laptop and record it and get the sound bites there. Um, For the first couple of months, it was a little more difficult because people weren't in their offices. Oh, yeah. And so you can call and you just leave a message and then you'd realize – they're not coming into work today or tomorrow or for the next month. So now I got to find an email for them and hope that they're able to check their email. Yeah. I guess you're in a business now that I think about it, that uh, you really weren't affected in a way that you, um, I mean, did you work from home at all or did you, did you were coming to the office? Like, like I'm one of those, uh, I'm one of those expendable employees. They, they said essential, but I know I'm just expendable. So <laughs> I was able to go into the work, into uh, work every day. And for a long time, it was just Marianne and me. And then uh, a couple other people, an engineer, a couple people for WGUC, our sister station. And it was a little weird. It was a little eerie being the, being just a skeleton staff in the station. So everybody else is and, working from home. Yeah. All my coworkers were working from home. Jay Hanselman's got a, Oh, that's right. He set up yeah, yeah, I heard him in the morning house. talking about that. Yeah, he said he said he set it up for emergencies. Uh, yeah, because there was a no, snowstorm. Ready to go? Yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, so um, I listened to uh, the BBC a lot, uh, particularly Radio One, and uh, all the disc jockeys were all set up at home, 
And then after a while, uh, one of the DJs, he was finally able to go into the station, but his co-host was still uh, at his flat in London, although he just had a baby with his uh, wife there, so they another excuse for him to stay home, and he, he didn't want to go anywhere near the you know BBC Broadcast Center after having yeah, a baby. Yeah. He, just this week, they're now both in the same studio, but they were describing it even this morning. They're actually almost like in two separate studios. And he goes, it's like we're not even in the same room. And he goes, well, we're really not because we're divided by this big thing of glass. So um, any changes like that at VXU or is it pretty much situation normal? It's one person in the studio at any time. Uh, if you're out in the hallway, you got to have a mask on. Um, I take over the, the board operation from Anne a little before three. I come, She leaves and then I go in and I wipe everything down. Spray the uh, the mic guard, the windsock, and the mic phone and, with Lysol and all of that, and get everything nice and nice and tidy and smelling fresh for my own uh, particular needs. And so then you uh, you look after um, all things considered as it runs yes. through the after, and then uh, it run the it runs from four to six, and they repeat the six the four to six hour from six to eight, six to seven thirty ish, depending on what you guys have going on. And that's yes. seven o'clock hour. Okay, so but you're pretty much done at six then. I'm out the door usually about six fifteen. There you go. All right. Yeah, because I noticed sometimes they let it go all the way to eight, repeating the first two hours of the show. But then other times you guys run stuff at seven o'clock. That uh, oh, and then of course we have marketplace at six thirty. Uh, Guy Rizdal marketplace. There you first go. To look at the numbers. There you go. <laughs> Let's take a look at the markets. Um, I love the pop music they play for the bumpers. All that old eighty stuff, man. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Like the, that's like the best part of the show. Um, so just getting back to OKI uh, quickly, when can we look forward to the next episode? Well, I've got two I'm working on right now, um, and they're both – every time I've – every one of these I've, I've started working on has been slow going, um, trying to get a hold of somebody. Aha. Uh-huh. And so that's what's – one of the stories – I've got one interview. I need to get at least one more and um, not getting a lot of cooperation. Oh. Hmm. And the other one, I finally got a hold of someone. And he said, hey, yeah, I want to help. Uh, let me do a little bit more digging before I uh, sit down and talk with you. Okay. Yeah, that's always frustrating. I think we'll somewhere uh, good with that one. That'll be a quick turnaround, I think. Cool. Yeah, I remember I had to contact uh, – it wasn't – I remember it wasn't for uh, – it wasn't for something I was working on for shirts. It was for something else I was working on. I went to college in Bowling Green, and I remember when I was there, Bowling Green, Ohio is named for Bowling Green, Kentucky. So the real Bowling Green is actually in Kentucky, much to our dismay. And uh, <laughs> the the post, the guy that brought the mail from uh, Kentucky up, all the way up to Detroit, they were looking for a name for the town because they were just awarded a post office, and the town had a name. And the guy said, you should call it Bowling Green instead after my hometown. They said, wow, that's a great name. We'll, we'll take that. And I remember in the newspaper, they printed what the original name of the town was, and I couldn't remember what it was. And I called the Historical Society in Wood County and said, what was the name of Bowling Green before it was Bowling Green? They didn't know. So if anybody out there knows, <laughs> it's driving me crazy. And it was a real simple <laughs> name, as I recall, So, which is another reason I think they, Bowling Green had a little more pizzazz to it. Uh, but if anybody can, can do that, info at cincyshirts.com. What was Bowling Green, Ohio, before it was Bowling Green, Ohio? Um, so so we, have, we have two more in the works then, so that's cool. And uh, then what else does the future hold uh, for Bill Reinhardt? Just plugging away at VXU, uh, looking after uh, all things considered, giving us an OKI every couple weeks? Yeah, consider all things uh, every day and uh, with a little bit of here and now too with uh, daily news and all of that and uh, get the OKI want to knows done as I can, hopefully get to even more questions from people. I mean, I know people have got questions and some of them, I don't know that I'm going to be able to answer them. You know, I want to know uh, even from, for myself. Yeah. Now, the whole, the whole please thing here in Cincinnati, I'm fascinated by it, Same. but, but I haven't noticed it recently. I haven't heard anyone say, please. I wonder if it's if you have to be of a certain age, because when I first moved here, uh, everybody that's, said that's that. It. Yeah. I've wondered if it's died out, or is it so common and ingrained in my brain I don't notice it anymore? You don't hear it. Hmm. So we do have a, one of the masks we made when we first started making the masks back in uh, February and March was one that said, please, on it. And okay. uh, 
There's something the people say here, and I maybe I'm just I don't know if I'm just hearing something differently. But the other thing that's uh, most commonly said after please, and no one knows what I'm talking about when I say this, is do what? The answer to any question in Cincinnati is do what? Where's the Macy's department store? Do what? And I hear that. I've heard that. And that's another thing that I haven't heard. Well, could be because I haven't been out as much, but because of the situation, obviously. But um, for years and years when I first moved here, and I would think to myself, did people do this in Cleveland and Pittsburgh, which is the other two places I've lived most of my life, and Bowling Green for a couple of years? I do not remember people saying do what as the answer to a question. And again, out there in, in Cincy Shirts podcast land, info at cincyshirts.com, if you've noticed this, or maybe you've said it so much you don't notice it, but that's one thing I noticed when I first moved here and heard it for years and years and years. And people know the please thing, but when I would tell them the do what thing, they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about, VF? What? Do what? Yeah, yeah, do what? Um, I wonder if it's, it's like the Midwestern Ope. I never Ope's noticed myself one. doing it until it became, you know, p- part of pop culture. Oh yeah, all Midwestern, yeah. all Midwesterners say Ope. Darren was on about that uh, about a year ago. He he brought that up because we were going to make a shirt and and then later maybe a mask of that. And that's when I brought up the do what thing, and people looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> I had I had never caught myself saying "ope" until it was brought to my attention that all Midwesterners say it, and now uh, I catch myself saying it. I may so, I I would not be able to attest to the fact that I don't say it, but maybe I should because I'm certainly a, a Midwesterner. What's really weird about um, my part of the Midwest? I was telling my wife about this last night. We're from Cleveland, and the West Side has a very very Midwestern accent. The East Side of town does not. So uh, all the people I met at college that were from the west side of Cleveland had a, almost a Chicago-like accent, but everybody from my side of town uh, does not, which was really weird. And I, the only thing I can think of is because the west side was settled uh, first, and the eastern suburbs where I was lived were settled in the late 60s and early 70s, so I think everybody came from somewhere else. Um, okay. So there's not just one – It instead of a Midwestern accent, it's, there's no one unifying accent. It's perhaps a hodgepodge. Kind of, but I, I would say from West Cleveland through Detroit to Chicago, even up to Milwaukee, it's a, it's a pretty twangy accent. Uh, people tell my wife she has the Cleveland twangy accent. I only hear it when, uh, in a few words. She sounds like a West Sider, but, but she's from the East Side like me. And of course, when you get up to Minnesota, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. That's oh it. yeah, 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 right. <laughs> Although when we were up oh, yeah. there again, didn't notice it as much. I think again because that city's grown so much, people coming from other places, uh, the, the accent kind of gets beaten out of the population. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, all these fascinating things about where you live and moving to different areas and, and things like that. Well, uh, terrific, I remember- man. Pardon? I said terrific, man. I appreciate you doing this uh, late on a Monday evening after a long day of work. Uh, the only, oh, no problem. The only order of business we have left is, uh, if you've listened to the show before, you get to choose the coupon code for uh, this episode. So folks can use this to take 20% off their entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order or use it in the stores and over the Rhine and Hyde Park. So, uh, Bill Reinhardt, what do you want that word or phrase to be for people to be able to take 20% off? KMG365. KMG365. Uh, yes. What is that? Uh, Google it and you'll find out. Oh, nice. We have a homework assignment. <laughs> Great. All right. I remember someone, um, it might have been Greg Hardman from uh, Moorline, yeah. one in German, and had everybody look it up so they could spell it around. I'm pretty sure it was him. Yeah, I'm almost positive it was him. And he had, so you, have to, you had to look it up to spell it properly, so you had to enter the code into our website. But All right. So everybody, you have a, home, you have a homework assignment? I'm going to go look this up right now. Uh, AMG365. AMG365. All right. Uh, trick you want to remember, but folks will remember it and take their 20% off. Uh, anything else you want to promote? Uh, any social media platforms or anything like that? Or just uh, listen to you daily on VXU and listen for... Oh, uh, OK has its own uh, spot on the VXU website. So people can go yes. back and... Yeah, yeah. Just go to wvxu.org, and then I think it's uh, OKI, slash OKI. Yeah, then you can get I caught do. up. And you can also submit uh, your own questions to Bill. Yes. Well, great, man. All right. Well, have a good rest of your evening, and uh, talk to you again soon. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks, Take Bill. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Well, I never thought to ask Bill 
Reinhardt. Interesting stuff, eh? And uh, like we said, you can go to the WVXU website and find his OKI stories, and really all of his stories. He's uh, a regular correspondent as well, but uh, you can also find the OKI stories there. He's already done, I guess, uh, five of them so far. Uh, one, the missing one we, he couldn't think of was uh, out in Harrison. Uh, there's some kind of, it looked like it used to be a development of some sort. Well, it used to be some kind of a factory, and he gets to the bottom of that for folks out there in that neck of the woods. Now, there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, or someone you'd like us to have back on the podcast, because we do that from time to time. Uh, simply email us podcast at cincyshirts.com put podcast guest in the subject line and then tell us who you'd like us to have on the show or have back on the show be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state and if you haven't already go back and check out those Cincy Shirts podcast archives from baseball great Johnny Bench to actress Amy Yasbeck we've got tons of great episodes back there today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing they are from Philadelphia find all of their music on iTunes Spotify or where else you get your music additional music for today's show is provided by Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings. They're from Virginia. How about that? Washington, D.C. area. Find them at andyhawk.com, just like it sounds. And you can follow their tunes, I believe, in Pandora and iTunes. Not sure about Spotify. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and Virginia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of great defunct sports teams uh, like hockey, basketball, soccer, you name it, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, rock clubs, all that kind of stuff, like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And then the promo code for this episode is KMG365. How did I not know what that was? I will not reveal the secret. Uh, if you're of a certain age, uh, you probably recognize that. Uh, I, it sounded familiar, and when I uh, saw it, what it was, I'm like, oh, how did I not know that? So KMG365, just run that all together, no space in there. Um, and you can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or go into our physical, or as we say, brick and mortar stores and over the Rhine and Hyde Park and say, I'd like to use the promo code from the podcast, KMG365, and they'll be happy to take 20% off your entire order there. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.